Think about the reality of what we trust, what we believe. Then there are a couple things Paul wants to say about what it means for walking in the Spirit, which is why this is called Walking in the Spirit Part 2. There's about being in community and some things about being alive. So here's the first one, Spirit and Community. We'll pick it up at the end of chapter 5, starting at verse 25, and here it is. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, so we start off, right? We start off and really it's going to flow right into chapter 6. He's all together, and he says... If, and really, really, you can read that like since, because it's the reality, we are alive by the Spirit. We live by the Spirit. The Spirit has made us alive. We crucified our flesh. We trust in Jesus. He gives us the Spirit. By promise, we're alive. That's, an, that's a since. Since we're alive, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So if we live by the Spirit, which we do, we're not living by the flesh, which means there's no me to increase, improve, make better, advance. Self-righteousness is gone. Uh, We have the same Spirit, you and I, the same life source, which is Christ and what he's done. So, so, So Paul says, just keep in step with that. Like that's just the reality you're living in now. Let it play out, this truth you believe. And, and, and where it heads right away, and you can see it, right? It's not hard to see. Don't become conceited. What's that? Well, I've done a really good job. I've, I've taken five steps up the ladder. How many steps have you taken off? That's conceit. That's me and me judging how I'm doing versus you. But the Spirit's in charge of it all. Why are we needing to judge? You don't. Don't do it. He says, don't provoke one another. Hey, I'm better than you. Can't believe you're like that. Start to provoke you, or, or, or even worse, envy you. Look, God gives you a gift, a particular gift. He gives you a particular gift. He didn't give that gift to me. Well, why, God? Right? Oh, I wish I were as blessed as you. There is no more blessed than to have Christ. And what's our faith? What's what we believe? I have life by Jesus and what he did, and you have life by Jesus and what he did. Full stop. So keeping in step with the Spirit means you actually see, yeah, that totally makes sense. This is what it means to be in the same boat together, this, this truth that we believe. You and I get God. It's radically fabulous. We're all clean. We're all used. This Holy Spirit is who bears fruit. If he's going to bear it in any of us, it's not limited by you or maximized by you. It's the Spirit who gives life. Okay, you say, okay, Dax. I'm going fast, but I think you follow me. It's not new concepts for us in our church. It says, but, but, but my problem is, is that I know it up here. And I have trouble getting it into my actual heart. Right? The, the message that we received, that it's not about improvement like, we, like we're trying to attain, but it's about forgiveness. It's not about me becoming a morally perfect creature. It's about me dying and actually receiving the forgiveness of Christ for me and walking in that forgiveness all the time. Jesus Christ paid for every sin I'm ever going to do. 
Forgiveness is not seven times, it's 70 times seven times. Right? So we need to help each other, right? That's what we're doing. So you say, I'm going to keep in step with the Spirit. I'm going to keep in step with this idea that the gospel is true. So what that means, right, is that we're walking in forgiveness together. And guess what? That's exactly where Paul goes. Look, brothers and sisters, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Okay flow into this with me, but don't lose the context. If you lose the context, you'll be tempted to do just to, to, to kind of grab like I grabbed this when I was growing up out of context, without any context, because we wrongly say it's not right, but maybe you've heard it this way. Well, you know, the goal, the goal of God is to make me sinless in my flesh. And therefore, you know, those who have advanced to a more sin-free state should help those poor tarnished slobs who are still sinning over there, and give them a hand up. Right? Have you, have you kind of heard that thought? They wouldn't use the word tarnished slobs. I get it. But, but the idea is sort of like there's, there's sin is like a communicable disease, and you're going to help people out of the communicable disease. But watch out, because you might catch it. So wear your sanitized gloves. That's how I was taught this verse. You can get turdy too if you get too close to these poor horribles and the sin. You can, you can read it that way, but only if you totally abandon what Paul is talking about. Which is what? Forgiveness in Christ. Righteousness where? You better say, in Christ. That's what we live in, right? That's what we've received. He died for me and it worked. My trust is in him and not me. In the spirit, not my flesh. So if anyone is caught in any transgression, what do they need? They need forgiveness. Isn't that the message? That's what I, I, I have trouble hearing. I have trouble hearing. I, I hear it in the psalm. David says, restore unto me the joy of my salvation. The joy of my salvation is what? God has covered my sin. That, that's to be more spiritual is to be walking in the spirit is to understand that. So, so, and by the way, Paul even here, right? He's not talking to the sinner saying, get out of that sin. He's talking to the spiritual one, the restorer, saying, help him. Help him with what? The truth. Because I'll tell you what sin does, especially if we're caught in sin. You've ever been caught in sin? You know, you're sitting there doing something bad and somebody walks in and says, what are you doing? Shame, guilt, defensiveness, can I explain it away, denial, all that stuff, right? And then we think, well, what they need to do is not do that sin. No, what they need to hear is you're forgiven because that's my message. That's not my message. That's Paul's message. That's the Bible's message. That's Jesus Christ's message. Only keep watch on yourself, Paul says, because you're going to be tempted to slip into what? Judging. We just talked about it. Watch out. Same stuff with the Spirit. Judging, conceit, and envy. Don't, don't, don't slip into provoking. You know, they don't really get... They don't deserve to be forgiven. Man, I'm sure glad I'm not like them. All that stuff that we, as we give forgiveness, we, we slip into judging and wrongness. That's what Paul's after. That's what our community wants to be. So make this your expression. You're forgiven in Christ. 
When someone comes and confesses, look at my immoral behavior, look at my pride, you can say, well, what else you got? I'm right in the same boat with you. I live by what? Forgiveness. I don't want that. I don't want that. What I want in my flesh is I want me to say, yes, get out of that and be better. And you say, well, didn't Jesus say, yeah, go and sin no more? Yeah, you think he really thought people were going to sin no more? Sin is horrible, of course. We have this amazing gospel, which is what? Sin forgiven. It's radical. We all slip into sin, the sin of the flesh. We're self-oriented, which means self-evaluation, which means instead of living in forgiveness and righteousness, we live in shame and guilt and hiding. We start to drift from understanding. We have a father who loves us and has gifted us his son to thinking we have a father who will demand of us an accounting. It reminds me of the parable. You know the parable of Matthew where, the, where God gives great riches out. He gives talents and different amazing amounts of money to three different groups of people. And he gives one and, and then the guy comes back, this is what I did with the great treasure you gave me. And the next one says, this is what I did with my life. And the last guy says, I knew you were a judge. I knew I had to give an account. So I buried my treasure. Here it is. God's like, that's what you think of me? And yet somehow that's what we think of God. He's gifted you with his son. You're alive in Jesus. The Holy Spirit testifies to your heart and comforts you. You're forgiven because of what Jesus has done. And then I want to go back, and this is what Paul is so up in arms about, to this idea of accounting and judging. So this is why Paul tells us to help each other because the truth that we trust is the good news of Jesus and when we get less spiritual, we get our eyes off of that and back onto your own belly button. How you doing? Guess what? You're forgiven. Everything. Okay. So that's why Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. My only hope and your only hope is in what Jesus Christ has done, right? We are in the same boat. This is the law of Christ. There's no hope anywhere else. The law is you will only get to heaven. You will only be in God's family. You will only be an heir of God by Jesus and what he's done. That's all. That's a wonderful thing. The law isn't bad that way. So this truth we share, right? Forgiveness, absolution, encouragement, all grounded in, oh, not, not in, you know what? Life will get better. You just, just bear this. There's, uh, you know, God's taking you through something, but he eventually will, will bless you. But you are forgiven. You have it. He adores you. You're beloved and cared for by his work alone. These are the truths that, that we know are true in our hearts, but we're pulled away from by this world. Okay, so that's, that's where Paul's going. This is keeping in step with the Spirit because the testimony of the Spirit is to Jesus Christ and what he's done, and that's to our lives. And, but, but for us, often life is just too crushing. I get it. There's not logical answers for us. We don't know why things happen. You know, we did this past week. We looked at the book of Job in our Through the Bible class. I mean, do you know one of the hardest things for me about Job is that he never knew. 
You know, I don't know if you know the story of Job. Job's like the oldest book in the Bible. And it's like how God comes along. And, 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 and all of a sudden, in Job's eyes, he didn't get a word from God. He just started, he got news that his kids died. And his, all of his wealth was gone. And, and then all of a sudden, a little bit later, he starts getting sores all over himself. And God doesn't say, hang in there, kid. God says nothing. And we, the reader, know that God is you know, bragging on him in heaven. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't know anything. Finally, he says, I've got to have an answer for why these bad things are happening. I don't know if you've been there. I've been there at different times in my life, different issues in my life. I don't know the answer. So we who are spiritual are those who say, what I trust is that Jesus Christ's work on the cross is true that God actually adores me, and though my eyes might deceive me, and though I don't have an answer, and though I can't give you a logical reason why, there are 3,500 reasons why this one thing is happening. I don't know. I am not God. But I know this. You're forgiven. You're clean. You're a child of God if you trust Jesus because he paid it all for you. That's where we go, right? By the way, none of Job's friends said that. God has ticked at him because they all said, there's got to be a reason. Shape up and buff your flesh. God eventually said, you guys are, what are you talking about? Amazing, huh? So, so, so this idea is there. Maybe you think you don't need this. That you're strong, that you don't need help, that you'll be the high and mighty dispenser of good and sort of never struggle with shame or guilt or doubt or pride. Well, you're wrong. Wow, that's a prideful statement, Dex. I'm just quoting the next verse, right? For if anyone thinks he is something, when he's nothing, he deceives himself. If you think that you don't need the church to say, hey, sometimes you need to hear the forgiveness of Christ. You need to know it's not not about you. You're the stinking failure. You need that. So important. I don't know, there's so many things. You know, I know in our family one year, somebody in our family, when I was growing up, underage, decided to take the, the family car and drive off and ended up totaling the car. And I'm just thinking, sitting there, putting myself in their shoes, what do you think they're thinking? How badly they messed up. I would use a stronger term. It's not fit for the pulpit. They know they've done bad. They know they've totally disappointed everyone around them. What do you think people need to hear? Don't do it again. Okay. It's already done. What do they need to hear? You know you're forgiven. You know you're adored. You know I love you, kid. You know the actual reality is all of our sin is forgiven forever, even that one. That's what they need to hear. That is supernatural. Not, okay, you got 12 and a half years amortized at 10% and you'll pay that back for me. I mean, that, that's okay. But that's not what they need to hear. That's where Paul's going. Bear each other's burdens. Don't put yourself up on some plane that you wouldn't do that. No, no, no. We all stumble and we all fail in many ways, right? We sin in many ways. And there are times when you and I need to hear from each other, you're forgiven, not get over that and do it. 
I mean, you can try. Sin is bad. But Paul is after saying in step with the Spirit. That's where he's going. The flesh just isn't the way. Especially not spirit-improved flesh. We know that, but if you slip back, then you hear from others, you need community because you're deceiving yourself. And then this, but let each one test his own work. And then his reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Okay, if you don't take the path we're taking, you'll be totally confused about what Paul's talking about now. Because first he says, bear each other's load, and now he says, bear your own load. And come on, Paul, make up your mind. I mean, that, that's the kind of thing that people, I just scratch my head about the Bible. It doesn't make sense. Yes, it does make sense. He's put it in context. Right? In light of Paul, what is Paul going for? He's saying, don't move from God making you strong. He isn't making you strong in your flesh. To thinking God is making us strong. He isn't. It's not about our strength as a community or as an individual. So he's doing, right? God is definitely building his church, but it doesn't look like us becoming the Taj Mahal. We, we look like nothing. We remain all the way through life, simply those who proclaim Christ and him crucified. Do you know who our strength is? Jesus Christ, who died for us. Not me. <laughs> Not us. Man, man, if I could just get you a little stronger, then our witness would be better, and then we could all be this shining, glorious example of what good moral living is. Well, that's okay, but there's already been that. It was called the Pharisees. Well, yeah, but they were just white on the outside and clean on the outside. Yeah, that is the problem, right? That's where this leads. In fact, we talked about last week. If you go after the flesh, buffing your flesh, making yourself beautiful, making yourself like really working on these things and saying what you need are these things, said that, 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 that those desires that are great desires, nothing wrong with the desire, leads to these works. What were the works again? Immorality, idolatry, envy, covetousness. It doesn't lead where you think it leads. That's Paul's words. But... But we all have some backpacks to bear. That's this word. It's actually a different word than the burden that he started with in verse 1. These backpacks, you, got, you, you have loads. There are things we bear and there's things I bear. There's things that each of us have. They're different things. They're not all the same. We all have our peace and our peace has to remain connected to and about the gospel, the good news. You may or may not see it, but your value isn't in what you can do for other people. It isn't in what you can do for the community. It is God in Christ who adores you personally. Personally. I know that's hard to accept, but each of us is adored personally by God. And understanding that starts to move me, transform my mind away from myself and into peace and joy and trust that really is for me and really is for you. And says, hey, hey, there it is. You, you do have to bear your own load and it's on you. Test your own work to see what? Whether you're standing in the gospel. Not to see how awesome it is. Because we know that the awesomeness that we long for is to build ourselves up. We can't get away from it. You can't get totally clean. Don't worry about that. Say, hey, am I standing on the gospel? As you have desires and as you do and as you're used by the Spirit and as you bear fruit and as you love and as you have peace and joy, as you give, as you do these amazing things and they're wonderful and, and, and yet, no, it, it's not about judging how much of that there is. It can't ever be that way. 
It's just about what God and Christ has done. Okay. So, so we're part of this incredible community, and, and it's true, but it's not about how beautiful the community is. It's about the gospel being true and us helping each other stand right there. So that's the first piece, and here's the second, that there's actual life happening. Let's look just briefly at that for the next few verses. He says this, Let the one who's taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. The message is super important. <laughs> Pastors love this verse. <laughs> but really, you know, he's just saying that there's life in the gospel. That, that's what it is, right? As much as in food or shelter or stuff, God provides for us. And one of the provisions is that the message is super important. So, so, so make sure you, 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 you major on the message. Make sure you don't mess that up because you mess that up and everything else goes to terrible places. That's what we keep central, even though it might look like it doesn't work. You know, we know we should be using the cross for self-improvement. No, we stand against it. Trust Jesus because he is our life. And, and here's the principle for that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. Oh, here's an interesting statement. There, Consider it with me, will you? There is a lag. This is the point. There is a lag between sowing and reaping. There is a time waiting that happens between sowing and reaping. That's what Paul's pointing to. Time goes by. And so you can think trusting doesn't work. Life doesn't go well by trusting God. Instead, I need to advance myself because that clearly has something I can see temporarily quickly. If I say, hey, if I could just be more disciplined, I can look at the discipline itself and say, look what I've done. And it says, don't, don't you dare think God is not mocked. You will not reap what you think. Going back to the flesh. It's like the story in, Ananias, in Acts 5. Remember Ananias and Sapphira? And, and they, they sold some land and they, they wanted to, to show that they were all spiritual. So they gave part of it to the church, but they kept some back. And, and so Ananias has come and, and, and gone and died. And, and Paul is talking to his wife, Sapphira. That's not Paul, it's Peter. And Peter says, hey, where is your husband, Sapphira? Did you really sell the land for so much? Why have you despised the ministry of the word, plotted your own gain, and conspired to deceive the Lord? God is not mocked. Look, the feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they're going to carry you out. What, what, what was the problem? Mocking God by thinking that you are doing something that, or can get away with something that you can't get away with. What if they had said, hey, we just sold part of it? It would have been fine. You have to give it at all. It's the mindset. And the crazy thing about this is our mindset becomes, I'm going to sow to my flesh instead of I'm going to sow to the Spirit. This is the problem. Not, not people taking out this. You know, this is all the time. I've had people, I've seen it. T- oh, people take this one little tiny verse. Hey, you know what? You know what? You reap what you sow. So if you 
pray every day, then you'll get something good out of it because you've sowed prayer. If you give money, then you'll get blessing because you've sowed blessing. If you, This is the principle that God works by. No, he's talking about watch out for sowing to the flesh. You get what the flesh sows. And we already saw what it is, right? The works of the flesh are sexual morality, idolatry, envy, the horrible things. You may not see it. It may look like you're doing great. Look, I have great things that I'm going to do for God, and you start doing them, and, and, and it looks like fabulous. But the end of that, you reap what you sow. It's crazy. The flip side is also true. You trust Jesus. You trust today that he died for you. You stand there and said, my sin is forgiven and I'm an heir of God. And it looks like nothing. In fact, my job got lost and my kids are over here and I, I don't know what this is happening. But I'll tell you, you have other people who say, don't, don't stop. Jesus is awesome and he's for you. And I'll tell you, you will reap what you sow, which is eternal life. It's fabulous. Don't move. How do I know he's talking about that and not talking about some other person? Because he says it. The one who sows to his own flesh... Try to advance yourself. For from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit, oh, I'm going to put all my eggs in the wonder. Forgiveness for me will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The context here is not don't be physical, but be spiritual. The context is not a good behavior will be rewarded eventually. The context is there's only two ways to sow. Two ways that you can sow. There's only two. That's the context, right? You can sow to yourself, to pride, to self-righteousness. We've already seen you can lift yourself up by doing good things, by externals. God is a conditional judge of the flesh. By the law, you will be judged. We'll see how that goes. We might do Romans soon. Well, we will see how it goes. Or, or, you sow to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We live by faith. We believe in Jesus. We, 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 we submit ourselves humbly. His story. Your life is about Him. Your life is coming back like the prodigal saying, you know what, I will be a slave, I will work for God, I will do anything he wants, and God is rushing to you to put robes on you and feet, uh, not feet on you, that would be bad, shoes on your feet, rings on your fingers, to accept you as his kid. Why? Because he wants to. Because he forgives us. Okay. We don't see it all, but this is where we live, and this is why as a community we're standing arm in arm is to do this. This is the positive side of us being spiritual, is that we actually stand in the gospel. And when I fall down, you pick me up. And when you fall down, I pick you up. But we're picking you up with forgiveness, with absolution, with saying, hey, there's forgiveness. Not, oh, well, you can do better, kid. Yes, I can. That is pushing me in a way that you don't understand towards the flesh. Watch out. That's the message. But, but we can't grow weary of, of, of this message and what we do. So let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. This statement is a statement of let's do good, amen. But the reality is why he's saying it is you don't see it now. You don't see the effects now. 
but you will. Right? This is the very heart of the, of the danger. Jesus doesn't appear. That first rush of commitment and joy is now tempered by the world. I need to eat and support my family. I'm struggling at work, and I see fruit in my life, some, and so you know, I, I, I try and move towards the priorities of the, of the world, but I don't see much change in the church, and I, I don't see things like sprouting up with goodness in the ministries that I'm in. And, and so there I, I start thinking, well, maybe I'll stop. What's the reason to stop? I don't have any faith. I don't actually trust the word of God who says, trust Jesus, he's in charge. Paul says, don't have results-oriented faith. This is not a name and claim it message. He says, don't have results-oriented faith because that's not faith. Persevere in doing good and trust by the power of the spirit that God sees it and God will bear fruit and is bearing fruit through you. Hold fast. So then he finishes with this and we'll finish with this. As we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Trusting Jesus, having no confidence in the flesh doesn't lead to lazy nothingness or selfish living. It leads us to seeing everyone as a receiver of Christ. I value you so high. You are amazing. Why? Because you trust Jesus. That's where we live. Value and identity. To reconcile this incredible message with the people in our community is to see we're all in the same boat. We get forgiveness. We get freedom. We get righteousness. All a gift to us. So do good to everybody. Speak this to everyone, not as a new law, but as a reality you're living in, as a gift culture, because God in Christ has gifted us. Here's the thing, and I've gone long today. It's so important. When Romans says, and Paul writes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, he's saying, consider, this is the change, that the Holy Spirit has made you alive. You didn't do it. It's made you alive too. The Holy Spirit has made you holy. Amazing. You are holy to God because of what Jesus Christ has done. And the Holy Spirit has made you blameless. Even though you still mess up all the time. That transformation is what we're talking about here. We don't buff the flesh. We come back and say, what we're about is proclaiming forgiveness to you. This changes your life. You walk in forgiveness. You walk in the righteousness of Christ given to you. You, you. you hate that you sin, but sin no longer keeps you from God. I know it to be true. Do we live it? We need to together as a community because this is life. The Holy Spirit in us. Are you so foolish? He said earlier in Galatians. Having begun by the Spirit, amen we have, are you now being perfected by the flesh? May it never be. Christ alone, our hope. Fear not, little children. It is the Father's good pleasure to do what? Give you the kingdom. It's ours. Don't let go. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this passage. Lord, I pray that this body, us little nothings, would have the Holy Spirit-given ability to trust you. Oh, Lord, we need help to trust. And we need each other to help us trust each other that you adore us in the midst of our failings, of our wrongnesses, not our victories. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for dying for us in your name.